This is the GGC Life Podcast. We are at an exciting time in our church's life because in less than four weeks we're settling on buying this building and we've been, it's been a two-year journey for us as a church and um, so two years ago we signed a two-year lease, gave a deposit of $1.2 million and exchange in two years' time which is actually early August. So in early August time we're going to be settling on this property um, we have raised to date from, well, from two years ago, it's been about $2.58 million. That's amazing for the size church that we are. I think you guys are so, we've all been so generous because us as a church family have been so, so generous. So we, we thank you so much for your generosity and we, uh, wanting, we're going to close soon. Um, we are still trusting God for $1.7 million, actually a little bit less than $1.7 million. So because people are still giving towards buying this property. Um, 1.7 million is going to close it really well. We're trusting God that God will come at 2.2 to 12. I was always believing God that he won't leave it last minute. Please, Lord, don't leave it last minute. But, uh, you know, it's, it's already last minute. Three weeks is, three and a half weeks is last minute. And um, so, you know, I've shared this before and I'll say this part just briefly. Um, so pray with us. I mean, last week I talk, talked about let's keep our faith on and keep believing God that God could just give us all that amount from one person. He, can, he, he actually can do that. God is all-powerful. Actually, $9 million would pay the whole building off because we did get a Baptist loan, a Baptist financial services. We're not Baptists, but bless their hearts. We're one church, and they're going to loan us $7.37 million, um, million and then because of the 2.3 deposit, we're, we're short by 1.7. And so our, pa- our, our plan or human backup plan, this is us now because I trust that God will give us the money. It would be amazing. But our backup plan is that we can loan, because instead of loaning from a, some other loaners or bankers, the $1.7 million, if the, anyone in our church has that sort of liquid cash, and maybe you got it in a term deposit for 4.5 or 5%, I don't think they're giving 5%, maybe 4.5%, and you, we can do a con- contractual solicitor's contract where you loan the, that money to the church for two years and we'll give you 8% interest on your money for two years and then we'll pay it back in two years' time. But we'll also have the prerogative to pay it off at any point as well. But it just obviously helps the church close the deal. Because the kingdom should be the guys that lend the money, not borrow the money. That's God's ideal in the Bible, that we should be the lenders, not the borrowers. Because the, lend, the, servant, the, lender, yeah, the, the borrower is servant to the lender. So there is an element that we're going to be a servant to the lender until we pay it off. So we're trusting God to pay it off. We, we, we've done all this in obedience to his voice. We really have. That we know beyond the shadow of a doubt. Church has been going for 32 years. It's not like we've just started yesterday. But we've been going for 32 years, setting up, setting down for 30-something years, and now we've got our own place, which is amazing. And so if, if you do want to um, loan that money and you think, oh, I, I can do that, if you want to speak to myself, feel free to talk to me after. We, we do need to start con- concreting that and making sure that we've got the money ready, but we're still believing for the $1.7 million. If that money comes in, we don't need that money borrowed. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Which... which be way better to be we want to get on the other side of this cl- closure of the settlement very very comfortable not not stretched we don't want to be stretched just being honest what our, where our faith is at so we're going to learn we're going to receive um I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, for the next couple of weeks i want to talk about um how to 
read the Bible, study the Bible, get revelation. Best way I can say is get revelation from the Bible for yourself. That's really, really important. How do you pick up this Word and allow God to speak to you? There's a number of things that we need to do. So what we're trying to do is I want to teach you how to drink for yourself. I can give you water, but you can always be thirsty and say, I need more water. But if you know how to go to the well yourself, Jesus is the well. If you know how to go to Jesus and get the water from Him, you don't have to constantly need someone else to to give you water. So the, the key here is to equip you, to teach you, to train you, to develop you into maturity where you can spend time with God and hear from God yourself. And Jesus says, I am the living water. So Jesus is the one that gives living water. And he gives his, the living water, he's referring to his word as well. It's not just his spirit. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And he, talk, he, talk about, he said, anyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. So yes, Jesus gives us this river of living water. But it's also in the form of him speaking to you. The word of God. And I'll explain that from the scriptures in a moment. When God speaks to you, the Word and the Spirit work together. But we want to know how to drink from the living well, whom is Jesus, ourselves. Okay? Isn't that good? It's same with, you know, I can give you some fish and you're going to be hungry again. But if I teach you how to fish, you never need anyone else to give you fish. And you just get hungry again and someone else is still dependent on people. That's true, that's true of trying to help poor people around the nations of the world. You, you can give them a handout and then they just need another handout later. Or you can set them up where they no longer need a handout. Like we want to take care of the poor, but let's set them up so they don't need always a handout. Because now they're working or now they're, they're creating, they're connecting with the resources of the world through their trust and faith in God. So we're talking about the Word and the Spirit. If you, if you just go to... John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. All right. Father, help me to do justice to your word because no human being on the planet can ever truly do justice to your word. And I really believe that with all my heart. So please open up your spirit to what the Holy Spirit can say to you because we're going to dive into this eternal word. Listen to what John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1 says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The more I know the Word, the more I know God. The more I connect to the Word, fellowship with the Word, uh, live the Word, I'm actually knowing God. I'm living in God because the Word was God. You can't separate God from His Word. You just can't do it. God and His Word are one. God would never will one thing and say another. Does it make sense? God won't say something to you, and I wonder if that's according to His Word. Whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you, whenever Jesus speaks to you, it's going to be according to His Word. The more I know this Word, and I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about heart, revelation knowledge. This book is not like any other book. It's 66 books in the Bible, written by 40 different men, in the period of around 1,500 years from start to finish. It all speaks about the same God, same destination, same Jesus, prophesying about same Jesus. It's, it's got the, so much direction and purpose. Actually has 65,000 cross-references in the Bible by himself, like crossing each other, referring to other scriptures. 65,000, same hell, same heaven, same theme, same everything. 40 different men. 
It's 100% the, the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. What does it say after that? He, hang on a sec. Why did they just refer to the Word as He? He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. Now He's talking to the Word as a person. He's referring to the Word as a person. All things came into being through Him. Now it has to be talking about the Word. We're not talking because when you read, He was in the beginning with God. Who was in the beginning with God? The Word was. But now we refer to the Word as a person. All things came, to, uh, came into being through Him, through Him as the Word. And apart from Him, nothing came into the uh, being that has come into being. Apart from God's Word and who is a person, we know that the Bible in Colossians says God made everything through Jesus Christ. In Him, in this person, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness. And the darkness didn't comprehend it. So in this Word, in this person of Jesus, whom is the Word, there is light. And in Him there's no darkness. And I love Psalms 119. It says that your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my pathway. The more you know the word, the more your, your, your life lightens up. Your world will lighten up. If you feel like you're living in darkness and feel like you're stumbling, and you don't even know why you're stumbling. I don't know why I'm falling apart. I don't know why things fall apart sometimes in my life. If you're like that, it's because you're not in the word yet. You don't understand to know the word. You've got you to cultivate a hunger for the word of God. We all do. And we can't lose this hunger too. This is what will survive us. This is what will sustain us. This is what will constantly give us source of life is the Word of God. I've been walking with the Lord since I was 19. It's a long time ago, 36 years ago. And I still need this Word more today than I needed it when I first became a Christian. How's that? Because it's life. Because it's light. It's a light to my pathway. It's a lamp to my feet. I need the Word of God. I cannot do that without, I, cannot, I can't live my life without the Word of God. I want us to see the importance of the Word of God. In, in Psalms 33, you can write this down if you haven't got Scripture or want to, haven't got time to look at it. I'll quote it. Psalms 33 verse 6, it says, by, your, by the Word of the Lord were the heavens made... And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Now we're talking about the power of his word. There's nothing more powerful than God's word in the universe. Nothing. Nothing can ever compare to the power of God's word. If you ever went on, what's the most powerful force? What's the most powerful weapon? I mean, you can't even compare it to the power of God's word. Because God spoke, and what does it say? The breath of His mouth. And it actually says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things that are seen were not made by things that do not appear. The worlds were framed. We understand by faith that the whole world, the whole universe, all stars, the galaxies, everything, was framed by the Word of God. And then in Genesis chapter 1, what does it say? Listen to this. And the earth was without form, and it was void. It was, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So we see the Spirit of God is present, but nothing's created yet. Spirit of God's present. Then it says, God said. God spoke. 
and let, let there be light. In the Hebrew, it says, light be. And then light exploded into the universe when God spoke. That's the power of God's Word. Stars, galaxies exploded out of God Himself. It's like this. If I can say it this way, God speaks. But when God speaks, remember, by the breath of His mouth, your, your breath out of God, the breath of God, the wind. You know the word spirit means breath. When it says the Spirit of God, you look it up, it literally means breath or wind of God, the breath of God. So when God spoke, His breath came, connected with His Word, and the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, created the universe. That's exactly how it happened. How do you speak words? You can't speak without breath. Because you, you know, I looked up the scientific method of uh, talking, and the, the way you frame and form words or speak is by breath. You cannot speak words without breath. Right? This is in the Google. Everyone believes in Google? No, don't. Just joking. Uh, when God speaks, His Word, He breathes into it. So it is only when God speaks that His Word, you hear, has His Spirit in His Word. They work together. So God's Word, there's a, there's, there's, we, there's a Logos Word. There's no power in Logos unless God speaks that Logos to you. I can't read this. I can memorize this. I can get it into my head. It would be no power. Unless God breathes, unless God speaks. Now this one was, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word, the word is Logos. It's the plan, the thought of God, the plan of God, right? It is Logos. But then, then it says Him, He was in the beginning. Then it refers to Him as a person. And then, uh, we need to understand this. Uh, let me finish uh, how we breathe and talk. Right? Breath support, part of the system is it comes from your respiratory system. Breath is the fuel or the power behind voice production. When we speak, we take a breath, we inhale, and then start speaking on the exhale. You do this naturally. Thank God we don't have to know it in our brain how it all works. Um, it is this flow of air moving up the windpipe through the voice box between the vocal cords that starts and keeps the vocal folds vibrating until you stop talking or run out of breath. So your vocal cords are two, I don't understand it fully, but like two muscles that will vibrate together because of the breath that came up through it. Like you just close your mouth and go, mm, you feel vibration in your lips. Feel it. Mm, that's vibration of the breath with your vocal cords shaking. And then when you shape words, it uses your throat, your mouth, your tongue, your teeth. Everything about it shapes the words. And that's the tone, the way we speak comes out that way. God uses all that just to speak. So it needs breath or you can't speak. You can't, if you don't take breath, you can't speak. What I'm trying to say is whenever God speaks, His breath's in it. If you, if you had, show me that in the Bible, I just did, but we'll look at more stuff. John chapter 6, verse 63. This is the words of Jesus. Verse 63, 63, John chapter 6. Um, he says, verse, um, yeah, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. The words that Jesus Himself speaks to you are spirit. The word spirit, is, it's, it literally means breath. Fuma, breath, wind, spirit. It's all one word. That my, my words, they are spirit. I remember reading that many, many years ago. Wow, the Word of God carries the Spirit of God. The Word of God, when spoken, when Jesus speaks to you, it carries the presence of God. That's why you can be in the Word. And you know when you get revelation, 
And let's say you've been in the Word for a while and you're getting revelation. You're getting revelation for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 45, 50. Wow, one hour. And later you just feel full of faith, full of joy, full of peace. It carried the presence of God in the Word. Because you were fellowshipping with Jesus and Jesus was speaking to you through His Word. He was bringing it to life. He was giving revelation. That's how we're supposed to read. That's one of the keys. We're gonna, next week I'll tell you, explain how do we... How do we fellowship with God through this word? How do we hear God speak to us? How do we get revelation from this word? You need to know how to do that because you have your own unique individual relationship with God. You can't be completely dependent on someone else to give you food all the time. You can as a baby, don't get me wrong. But as you grow, you can't stay a baby. True? There's something wrong if I'm still feeding Evangeline and Ezekiel with a spoon while they're adults. Almost. Or Evangeline's almost adult. He is an adult. But when they were babies, we did feed them. This is so, so important. Jesus uses um, Matthew chapter 7. I just want to show you how it affects our lives in every area of our life. And, and because we need to know how this relates to us. Jesus uses this foundation teaching. He has, in chapter 7 of Matthew verse 24. Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, that's revelation knowledge and then acts on them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And rain fell down, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house. And it did not fall, for it had, it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, does not put it into practice, does not live the word, he hears the word but doesn't do the word, he's just a hero, will be like a foolish man, who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the storms of life where the winds blew and slammed against that house and great was its fall. So you've got picture two houses. One house built on a rock foundation, like completely rock, and he's built his house there. And another one built his house on brightly sands. Imagine going to brightly sands and seeing someone start to erect a house in the sand of the beach. You think, what, well, this guy's crazy. It's okay now, it might look pretty, it might look nice, it stands well, but the storms of life always come to both. You, you're the doer of the Word, you're, you're a relationship with Jesus and you do His Word and you've got a relationship with Jesus but don't do His Word. Storms of life or you're just an unbeliever. Because a lot of times we think that's the unbeliever. Sometimes a believer, supposed to be a Christian, no longer practicing His Word, then your foundation is on sand. What Jesus is trying to say. You can't just be here on my Word and not do it. So, so imagine that happening. The storms of life hit both houses. And what, what, why did this house stand? And why did that house fall? What's the reason why this house stood? Is it, was, it, was the storms weaker? A bit softer? A bit more gentle? Because they loved God, the storms of life didn't hit them? Had nothing to do with the, the, the severity of the storm. What's the reason? Built on the rock. So what's the reason? It's the foundation. The only difference was the foundation, and the foundation is built by hearing the Word and doing the Word. True? What we do, we blame the storms. I believe you don't know what I've gone through. I've gone through this. I've lost this, and I've lost that. My, my mum passed away, or I, I got divorced, which is really hard to go through. I know these things are very difficult. I had tragedy. I lost my job. I got bankrupt. Or this happened, or this happened. What are we doing? You don't know how bad my storm is. My storm is so bad. It doesn't matter how hard the storm is when you're built on the rock. When I was an unbeliever, and I didn't know Jesus, I, 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 I built my house on sand because I, I didn't know any better. 
didn't know Jesus. So when I, in my teens, had a relationship with a girl, she broke me up, broke up with me with someone else, broke my heart. I was a mess. Absolute mess. Couldn't eat food. My nervous, my nervous system shut down. I didn't want to eat. I was depressed. I was feeling sorry for myself. Depression. Woe is me. Oh God, I should have done this and I should have done that. Cry myself to sleep. Total mess. My, my house was crumbling. Wasn't it? Why? Because the relationship was my God. Because I thought that was going to give me everything. I thought that was going to give me happiness. I'm making her my God. I'm making her my idol. My foundation is wrong. And you know what happened here when I became a believer at the age of 19? Exactly the same storm hit me. Exactly the same storm. And guess what? Didn't, didn't crumble nothing. Actually, in two, three days, I just moved on like it was nothing. What was the difference? Foundation makes every difference. I had a friend I grew up with in Burwood. He's much younger than, to me when, we, you know, when I was a teenager. We used to play, uh, lots, of, lots of young kids and those uh, Lebanese crowd. We used to muck around with them and we used to do, you know, rumble. Just, we were really good mates. We were good friends. He became an adult and when he was late, teen, late 20s, he planned his funeral. All because a girl left him, broke his heart. And he wrote his funeral out, who was going to carry, and he killed himself. I knew that guy. Because he didn't know Jesus. Because he thought, my whole world's gone. He was on the sand. This is why this is what you're about to hear is vitally important. You can build your, and I'm just using these examples, but there's so many thousands, even millions of examples in our life where we put money a God. I think money's going to give it to me. And then this job's going to give me security. This job's going to be my identity. This will give me happiness and it doesn't happen. If, you're, if you get up and down from these things, then you're not built on the rock. Now, what does the Bible say in Romans chapter 10, verse 17? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Look up that word, word. Guess what that is? That's Rima. The word rima means spoken word of God. It's not just the logos, the spoken. Faith doesn't come by just reading this and getting head knowledge or getting memory, you know, building up my memory about the word. Now I know the memory. Now it, it comes by when God speaks to you. That's when faith comes. The, the way God speaks to you is revelation knowledge. The best way I can say it is when you know reveal. I didn't know that knowledge before. Now I've got revealed knowledge. And sometimes you get so much of that revealed knowledge, you don't realize faith is being built. But it's been being built. But it has to be revelation knowledge. And your mind gets renewed to the Word of God. And it takes time. I hope you're getting uh, the understanding of this. This should take the rest of your life. And you'll never arrive because we're becoming more like Jesus. You never arrive. Did you know if Jesus says my words, they are spirit, they are life. Three things I want you to know about the power of words. If Jesus says... My, spirit, my words, they are spirit, they are life. That means words are containers. Words contain. They contain the presence of God, the spirit of God. Words can contain faith or words can contain fear. Words can contain love or they can, can contain hatred or selfishness. Words can contain joy or depression. Words can contain um, peace, shalom, shalom. Uh, safety, security, like literally the peace of God is so underrated. Words can contain peace or they can contain despair and anxiety just from words. Words are carriers. We don't realize, but words, that's how we communicate. 
That's how the world goes around. If it wasn't for words, you can't communicate. But words, if you know if someone walks in and they're full of fear, full of anxiety, full of stress, and if you, if, if you look up to them and, and you, you, they're an influence in your life, you're going you're gonna to feel that. You're going to pick that up. That, you'll carry some of those words if you take them on board. If you, don't know, you know, if you don't have your own strong relationship with the Lord, that'll affect you. True? And someone who's positive, faith-filled comes into the room and they're, something just excited, they're just full of security, full of peace, full of faith. And they just speak and talk and you just feel, I don't know why, I just feel good. I feel encouraged because what's on them comes onto you. That's what happens at preaching. It should happen at preaching. When you come to church or go to a meeting or listening or go to a connect group or listen to a preacher on podcast, whatever, the Word should carry the presence of God and fill you. You go, man, after that, I don't know why, but I feel I can take on a mountain. I can run through a trip. I can leap over a wall, David said in the Psalms. Why? Because the Word's imparted. Words carry. Be careful. Um, uh, we, we're sometimes so influenced by the world that we don't let the Word influence us. We, we need this Word to influence us big time. Amen. I, I, I never, I'll never forget this experience because we, we sometimes think men, we, we, we just... Um, are just logical. We're not just logical people. You and I are made of spirit, soul, and body, the Bible says. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is the image and likeness of God, and the spirit has a soul. Soul has your mind, will, and your emotions, but you live in a physical body. I remember one time I had a, I wasn't, I just got saved. I was a teenager. I had an argument with my um, ex-girlfriend at the time. I had a big argument. She was upset with, she just wasn't following God, whatever it was. And I remember I was upset and I got angry and I called her a witch. I should never have done it, but I did. When I called her a witch, something, I felt something come out of me and go to her. I can't explain it. It felt very emotional, very strong, like a force. And I, I, it freaked me out. It came out, it felt like it came from me to her. I realised words carry. And it wasn't a nice thing that went across. I quickly repented and said sorry to God. But it just shocked me. Wow, I never experienced that before. Words carry. If someone you love, someone you look up to says, I love you, those words should carry a spirit of love and you feel loved. Also, words are seeds. Jesus said this in the Bible very, very clear. So words are carriers, words are seeds. Jesus, he was a sower, he was the greatest sower ever. He sowed the seed on good ground and so on. Some fell on bad soil, some fell on the you know, footpath and birds came. But words are seeds. Just like you plant a seed and you've got to water that seed, you have the right environment, the sunlight, the water, right environment, take the weeds out, make sure there's no stones, it'll grow, right environment, it'll mature, grow into a big tree. And then Jesus says that's how the kingdom of God operates, seeds. So you need the seed of the Word of God. You, and every time, Jesus says, the Bible also says one plants and another one waters. He was talking about sharing the Word, talking about speaking the Word. One plants, another one waters. So in watering a plant seed, it'll grow up. So that's powerful. When you start to see the, I want you to see the effects of how much we need the word. You need the word. I need the word desperately. In this day and age, we need it more than ever. You can't dry up on this word and let the world influence you. The culture of this world. Amen. We need the kingdom culture. And it's only going to come from spending time with Jesus. And the other one, seeds are very powerful. I mean, Jesus actually said, any, every heavenly plant my father has not planted I'll uproot hang on a sec God plants God plants plant, plants in us trees in us yes and if it's not from God he'll uproot it 
The Bible gives symbolic pictures of trees, trees on the river, you know, trees of righteousness, that we are trees. The tree comes from a seed, but the seed is the word of God. We need to water that seed. We need to grow that tree to become a strong mustard seed. It becomes powerful. The last thing I want to talk about quickly uh, that, the, that the words are is it paints images. It, it paints an image inside of you. A word, pa- words paint. Words create an image inside of you. Does that make sense? Words do that. It's just automatically. Because words, we communicate with words, but we actually, we actually communicate with pictures. It's an automatic thing. You don't even realize it. But if I say dog, you don't see D-O-G in your mind's eye. In your mind, in your consciousness, you shouldn't. If I say, how is your house? You don't see how is your house in your mind, like the letters, like a sentence. You should see your house. So how's your bedroom? You should see your bedroom. Everyone's bedroom is different. Some very dirty. Some need to clean it up. But you see a picture of your bedroom. That's how we communicate. It just, it's a quick, fast thing. If I say, big, black, ferocious dog, you should see that. A white little chihuahua. You just see pictures. So imagine when someone says, you're hopeless, you're stupid, you idiot. What's wrong with you? You can't do nothing right. And you grow up under that constantly. What's that doing? If you accept those words, it'll create the wrong image, the wrong picture of yourself. You will feel unloved. You will feel nobody loves me, nobody wants me, nobody cares for me because you grew up a certain way. But that's not God's plan or purpose or desire. And it wasn't God's intention. God loves you. But, but God created us with a free will. And sometimes people aren't walking with Jesus. We've all grown up in broken homes. And that's why I'm trying to show you your desperate need and my desperate need of a relationship with Jesus. Everyone in this world needs a relationship with Jesus. Amen. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, I love this. In the King James and the New King James, it reads it this way. As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the Word of God, what for? So that you may grow up thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you've tasted that the Lord is good, just like newborn babies. It literally means newborn. I looked it up in the Greek, newborn baby. A newborn baby desire, the word desire is to crave with possession to crave the milk and anyone that's a mother or a dad or a father and you have a newborn baby just a little (laughs) and you you know when you're in half asleep oh please stay asleep please stay asleep you usually get up and get the baby and and put the baby and feed the baby before the baby goes and if, because if you let the baby go and don't feed the baby, it'll start having a craving, a possession. She feels like possessed to want milk. I mean, sometimes Ezekiel and other, some of our babies, it feels like, it looks like they're trying to die in that room. You and I forget the deep, deep desire of hunger for food. Because you, you, you and I can get food all the time. But if you didn't eat for three or four or five days, then you're a different person. Then you're a di- it's different. I mean, if I haven't eaten for five days, I, I, my hunger starts to grow. I, I, I'm not thinking nothing else but food. Whenever I go on a long fast, I dream about food all the time. It's like I've eaten oh, beautiful food. 
oh no, oh no, it's a nightmare. No, like I've eaten in my dream. You don't realise this craving inside of you for physical food. The Bible says that the Word of God is just like physical food to your body. And it is. The Word of God is, here it says, it's like newborn babies desire the milk of the Word. If a baby's birthed, nurtured for nine months, birthed and left alone, the baby dies. That's the rules in the natural world. Imagine in the spiritual realm. When you're birthed into the kingdom, you need, the, 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 all you need to do, God said, all you have to do is desire the baby. Because not the baby's the responsibility to feed itself. It has to be in family. It has to be in community. That's why God birthed the church. Because we're the family that feeds the babies. You're the family. You, we need one another. Desperately need one another. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, chapter, one, chapter 3 verse 1, I brothers could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to the men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ or babies. I have, I have, you, I have to give you milk to drink, not solid food or not meat, for you were not able to receive it. Yet indeed, even now you're not able, for you are still fleshly. Now he's using giving them meat as the Word of God. I want to give you meat, but you're not able to handle it because you're just fleshly. You're carnal. You're this envy and strife among you. And you, you're not even, you're like, you, you, I'm, I'm limited because you're not hungry. I'm limited because you're not in the right place because you're full of envy, jealousy, a- anger, and you're in the flesh. But I want to give you more than milk. I want to give you meat. I really believe with all my heart, I want us to get this revelation. Getting before God, spending time in His Word and hearing from Jesus and re- giving, receiving revelation knowledge from Him is just like physical food to your spirit. And I hope no one forgets to eat here. Do you ever forget to eat? And, oh, I don't know why. I haven't eaten for five days. Oh, no. Well, God gave you an appetite. God gave you taste buds to enjoy it, thank God. He's smart. I reckon if God didn't give you taste buds and didn't give you appetite and didn't give us any desire for food, um, we'd probably forget to eat and drop dead. In our sinful nature, we just go after money, go after world. Because ah! if you had, but, but we, and plus we, we need it for survival. We need, to, we need food to be sustained. We need food for energy. So we just know we have to eat and we do. But spiritually, it's the same. It's exactly the same. No different. Please see that. Don't go days on end without the word. I'm not just talking, you know, like. Get in the Word. Listen to Bible on tape. Listen, listen to preaching on podcasts. Feed yourself consistently and constantly. Spend time with the Lord. I hope you're here in my heart. I've been on long fasts. And when I've been on long fasts, I have no energy. And that's in the natural. Sometimes my spirit feels energized. And, and my mindset tells me, hey, I haven't eaten for a long time. And if someone said to me, Leah, let's go for a run. Let's go for a 10K jog. Even if I want to, I couldn't. And even if I pushed myself and actually did it, my, my, I would rip all my muscles and it wouldn't repair. I went to the gym after two days of fasting and I ripped my muscles and, I, and I, then I kept fasting. I ripped my muscles and had no energy to repair. I was just aching for days because you got no protein, anything to repair. You just rip them and there's nothing to restore. It wasn't good. Ugh, it wasn't smart. What am I saying? Sometimes of us, we, we know God, it's like God, God's saying, come and do this. Come and do this for me. We, I want to, I want to, I want to run those 10Ks. But I can't because I've got no energy. 
The energy comes from spending time with Him. Energy comes from drinking the living water. And I've, I've really, I wanted to get to three scriptures where you could read Psalms 1. You can read Jeremiah 17, verse 5 to 18. Jeremiah 17, let me, let me just show you this and we'll bring it to a close. This is just to show us the importance of God's Word. How important it's our life source. Jeremiah says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed, strong words, but just bear with me. This is the Bible, not me. I'm not saying this, but cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. I was cursed when I trusted in mankind. When, that, when my heart broke. Because I wasn't trusting in God, I was trusting in mankind. And, ma- and makes flesh His strength. That's what I did over there. And whose heart turns away from the Lord, because I didn't know the Lord. For He will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord and who hopes in the Lord. That's another word in the Hebrew. For he will be like a tree planted by the water and extends its roots by a stream. In other words, the big tree grows its roots and when there's a river next to it, it grows down under the ground and drinks from the river, right? Because it does that, it will not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green or heat or or fab, uh, what's the word? Drought. When it stops raining, it doesn't get moved by the elements because it's got its roots down next to the river. But it leaves will, will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. And that's what Psalm says. If you meditate in the Word day and night, you'll be like a man, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that his leaf will not wither. He'll bear fruit and whatever he does shall prosper. Come on, what a promise. Imagine getting into a place that whatever you and I do prospers because we're planted right next to the river, which is Jesus, is the fountain of living water and our roots go down. And that means I don't care about the economy. I don't get affected when the economy is doing what it's doing right now because I'm not connected to the economy. I'm connected to the King of Kings, the one who supplies all my needs according to His riches in glory in heavenly places, not according to the economy of this world. So, so when the sun it's beating, there's no rain, there's no clouds, no rain, there's nothing. The, 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 the ground's getting starched and parched and dry and it looks like nothing can grow. But my tree is next to the river. That's what you and I, that's what God intends for you. That's what God intends for us as a church. That's what God intends for me. And the last direction from God to, that I want us to think about in Joshua chapter 1, have a read for yourself. God speaks to Joshua when Moses died. Joshua has to fill the the shoes of Moses. How would you like that? What Moses just did to take the children of Israel out, now it's 40 years later, but he has to fill those shoes. And he's a bit intimidated because God tells him, be strong and be of good courage three times. Be strong, Joshua, be of good courage. And he gives him the key or... Probably, if I can say it this way, the recipe, because when, when you think of recipe, you probably think of formula. But it's not a formula. It's actually a relationship with God. And the, what He tells him, He goes, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, Joshua, but you shall meditate on it day and night. 
Meditate on it. Don't, don't let it come out of your mouth. Don't let it stop coming out of your mouth. But you can't stop. You can't speak the word if you don't put it in. So that you shall meditate on it day and night. And don't let it, don't let it stop coming out of your mouth. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will be good success. When actually, I missed. I left one out. When you speak it, then you shall be able to do. It's in the scripture. You shall be able to do what God says. But you've got to meditate. Put it in. If you put it in, because I'm thinking it, I have to speak it. When I speak it, I will do it. When I do it, then you'll make your way prosperous. And that's it. You can't get it any clearer or simpler than that. God tells Joshua, this is what you need to do and you'll be okay. You'll take care of the two, three million Jewish people that will go into the promised land and take on Jericho, take on the cities. All he had to do is make sure that the book of the Lord doesn't depart from his mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that it won't depart from your mouth. Then you'll be able to do what it says. And because you do, then you'll be able to be prosperous in all that you do. Amen. Let's pray. And if you're new here today, or you, have, like what Josiah said, if you're new and you've given your life to Christ this morning, make a commitment. That's it. I'm going to put the Word of God in my life like never before. I'm going to put the Word of God in my life in, in, as first place. Maybe it's for the first time ever. Because you made Jesus the Lord of your life today. Be obedient to His Word. If the Bible says get baptised in water, which it does, then get baptised in water like you saw today. Amen. So Father, we thank You right now for Your Word. We, we thank You for Your stirring in our hearts, a hunger that only can come from You. But we will act on that hunger. We'll act on that hunger, Lord. We will put to practice what Your Word says. We repent of our sins. We repent of going after the world in any way. We, we repent of eating the junk of the world. So we can come to You, Your holy, beautiful, pure Word, Lord. We thank You for Your glorious presence. We make You Lord of our life through Your Word. We want to spend time with You through Your Word. We want to put You first place in every area of our life. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen in your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason why a lot of people aren't hungry for the Word is because they eat on the junk of the world. And that's the repentance thing. Repent. You think, how do, I, how do I get myself in the Word if I'm not hungry? Just eat the Word. A sick person, the first thing that happens to a sick person, physically sick person, it loses appetite. Especially when they're extremely sick, they, they lose their appetite to the point where they stop eating altogether. And then the, the organs shut down. That's right at the last stage. But that means they're not well. When your body doesn't want to eat, it's fighting off stuff. So spiritually speaking, if, you're not, if you don't even have hunger for the Word, it's a good symptom to see I'm not in the right place. Please in my heart. If you're not hungry for the Word, it must be we're so filled with the junk of the world that I'm not even, I don't even have an appetite for the Word. It's a good symptom that I must be spiritually sick. It's okay, just repent and God will bring you back straight away. Amen. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.